Steph Reed. I am the director of the Flat River Community Library. My name is Franca Pitchford. I'm the assistant director. I'm Terry Legg. I am the president and CEO for United Way of Montcalm Ionia Counties. My name is Bethany Broom Dombrowski, and I'm the VITA associate for United Way. Welcome to the Flat River Front Porch. I keep forgetting to introduce myself at the beginning, so I should probably remember to do that. I'm like, you already know who I am. You've been listening long enough that you've heard me talk, but I am Steph Reed. I am the director of the Flat River Community Library. Right now is is not looking too bad, but I know we're kind of waiting for the snowpocalypse at this point. So by the time you hear this, there's a good chance that you're going to be buried under multiple feet of snow. So I hope you are safe wherever you are. I'm sitting down today with another one of our staff members. I'm not cheating this time. This is an actual staff member. Um, and not only an actual staff member, but someone who's been here for a very long time. So would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Franca Pitchford. I'm the assistant director. Yes. Um, and a fairly new assistant director, too. Um, how long have you been here? 27 years. 27 years. Yeah. Let me think. I'm trying to figure out where I was 27 <laughs> years ago. Um, I was in the eighth grade. So hopefully you were a library patron, maybe not at this library, but another one. <laughs> no, no, I, I would have been a library patron in Lowell at the time, but it's hard for me to picture being in the same place. You've seen a lot of changes over the years. Yeah, I have. I've moved the, this library into this building mm -hmm. from the old one. That was exciting, moving a library. From the one that looked like a Pizza Hut. Yes. Yes, the Pizza Hut Library. And just in case you're curious what past locations look like, we actually have uh, pictures of all of the past library locations in the Stafford Room. You are the second, second longest standing employee here, yes. which is remarkable because the idea of having been here 27 years, but you're still in second place is kind of, is kind of bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, you know, from day one, it's it's been that way for me. So, okay. Yeah, why do you, so why do you think you're still here? I just love what I do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love the people I work with. I love the patrons. It's close to home. It's fun. It is fun. Yeah. We get to make it fun, which is nice. Um, and before you were an assistant director, you were 7,000 other things, right? I, I was, I was, I hired Ian just as a circulation clerk and I was doing it alone. Which means that when books came in the door from another library, then then yeah. you took care the of holds. Yeah. the holds. The holds. Yep. Yep. I took care of that. And um, before um, Mel, we had Mishlib. So, and super loans and well, things that. like that. <laughs> and then I moved into head circulation when we came, um, came into this building. Uh, the director had a lot of things going on, and so I picked up most of the circ stuff and supervising the pages and things like that to take a little bit off their plate. And then when my predecessor um, retired, I stepped into the administrative assistant position. So, so um, there is no quick summary of your job. like No, <laughs> no, jack of all. Yeah, pretty that, much. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm always grateful for Veronica. I'm I'm the dreamer and she's the doer in a lot of ways. So uh, yep, I'm the problem solver too. I, I like to yeah. figure out figure it all out. And I almost feel like I need to qualify that. I, I do do things too, I promise. <laughs> um, but our approaches are really nicely complemented to one mm -hmm, another mm -hmm. um, because... Yeah, yeah, you like to jump and I'm like, whoa, 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 let's think this through. Yes, <laughs> she's great at helping me figure out the logistics of things. So we're a good team. It, it's a nice balance. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so, I mean, we can't get through this without talking a little bit about what's been on your reading list lately. Financial material. Okay. Um, last year, I in, I joined an investment club because, you know, I, I have been here 27 years and um, I can see retirement on the horizon. It's it's still a decade, maybe two out there, but I want to be as well prepared for that as I can be because uh-huh. once you have no job, what do you do, you know? So, right, yeah. So that's very, very scary for me and I need the security of knowing that I'm going to be okay through uh-huh. my retirement. So I've been reading a lot of financial books and the one I'm currently reading that one is called Your Journey to Financial Freedom by Jamelia Suffrent. And then another good one that I've read lately was I Will Teach You to Be Rich by um, Remit Sethi. Those were very good. Are there any sort of key things that you've picked up in, in your uh, self-education on this that, you, that you're just like, oh, I, I had no idea about this? Um, a lot of it was um, just getting some organization to my finances, mm-hmm. um, automating what I can automate. Um, automating all my bills for the month, automating my um, savings account. Uh-huh. So um, I have automatic transfers going into savings, automatic transfers going for my investments. Uh-huh. So I've got a lot of it automated. And then I've also um, set up a separate checking account for my guilt-free spending. So oh, I smart. can still spend money without being like, okay, am I going to have enough for groceries this week? Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so I know everything in that checking account is just mine to spend however I want to spend it. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to do it. It's really if if too much is blended together, it's easier to lose track of. Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, and the price of groceries these days, you know, I need to make sure yeah. I have enough for groceries. At this point, groceries are starting to feel like an investment. Like, <laughs> yeah, because I mean, for just for just me and my partner, it's, you know, we could go through $200 a week very easily. Right. You know, and that's not even a family to feed. It's mm-hmm. just us. So and I'm watching with every paycheck, I'm watching my savings grow. So my emergency fund is is growing. And mm-hmm. once I achieve that, then I'll um, open another savings account and divert that money into um, one for three to six months of living expenses. So uh-huh. I'll have that um, to fall back on if I need to. And then beyond that, it's all those little savings goals I have, like home improvement or, uh-huh. you know, ridiculous fashion purchases. <laughs> <laughs> all those savings goals, right? Or, yeah. Or yarn, because <laughs> I'm a knitter, crochet, or crafter. So. Which we've talked about on this before mm-hmm. that we've got a handful of staff members several, who are several. who are yarn addicts, basically, mm-hmm. um, who need to be careful when they walk into Joanne's because or Hobby be, Lobby. Yeah. Oh, they've got a sale right now too. They they're, always do. They always do. That's but, how they get you. But they have a winter <laughs> sale of like sixty percent. So okay, okay. <laughs> Kristen showed me that yesterday, and I'm really trying not to go there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Becoming more responsible with my finances, you know, and so. And the investing portion, that that's really exciting for me. Last year, I joined a investment club, mm-hmm. um, and that's um, sort of based off from the uh, betterinvesting.com website, and you mm-hmm. can go in through there and find a local investment club, and you can sit in on uh, one of their meetings and kind of see what they're all about mm-hmm. and if you want to join or not. And um, it, It's really great if you know absolutely nothing about the stock market and how yeah. to invest. and um, Which is probably most people, arguably. It, it, yeah, right. I had no clue. I knew that that was a way forward for me. Uh-huh. And um, my dad had always encouraged me to uh-huh. invest. And I'm like, 
but I don't know what that means and I right. don't know what that looks like. So um, I had put a post out probably a year and a half ago on my uh, Facebook feed. I said, if you could teach me anything, you know, what are you good at? What can you teach me? And my aunt actually told me, she's like, I'm really good at investing. I'm like, I want to pick your brain over this right. because this interests me. And um, it's actually her investment club that I joined. Oh, cool. Okay. And yeah. Yeah. And so I'm I'm learning a lot and um, she's a great teacher and all the better investing. They have tutorials and videos and um, just show you how to use all their software and uh-huh. um, what makes a sound investment and what their principles are. And um, Lee, it's going to set me up really well for my retirement. Even with the market being up and down, like I, as an investor, I'm in it for the long haul, not the short term, quick turnaround yeah. day trading stuff. So when I'm investing into a company, I'm, I'm looking at it for, you know, five years or better. And you have been looking into some resources as well that we were mm-hmm. um, potentially going to include in our, um, in our repertoire of digital av- uh, offerings. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, we were looking at Value Line. We looked at Morningstar, but I think we've settled on um, going forward maybe with Value Line. Right. Um, so, can you talk a little bit about what what somebody could get from those resources? Oh, for Value Line, when when you're looking at a company to invest in, you're going to be looking at um, its growth potential, um, both in sales and in earnings, um, and what its history is, what the management of the company looks like, if it, you know, what their financial strengths mm-hmm. are. And Value Line really gives you a nice um, picture of So if, if uh, the investing stuff is something that you are interested in or at least putting uh, mental energy into, then, then keep an eye out for that. Um, in addition to all the other digital stuff that we offer these days, because it's it's been growing. Growing. And yeah. it's wonderful. I, I keep looking for other things that we can add to our digital resources that our yes. community might be able to utilize. We get to do some of the fun stuff, too, like with Creative Bug. Like if you are a crafter or somebody who's interested in learning how to paint or do something else creative. creative bug is wonderful. It really is. It, and it, the tutorials are really um really all-encompassing. People turn to YouTube a lot these days for stuff like that to find tutorial videos and whatnot, which is it's a great resource to have. But the really nice thing about about something like Creative Bug is that it's it's got a much broader spectrum to it. It's got the tutorials, it's got various. series. And it's very step by step, very beginner right. friendly. And I know um we're utilizing some of those courses through our crafting. Yes, um, yes. And then like they have they have all the written instructions mm-hmm, that you can download mm-hmm. as well with images that go with them. And it's it's yeah, it's very um beautifully put together so it is it so is. if you're really a crafter like then i would i would definitely check it out if i were you so. absolutely absolutely all right and hoopla has crafts so if you're already a hoopla user or if you're not hoopla is one of our resources where you can get uh ebooks and e-audiobooks and uh videos Mag- and music and yeah no, not magazines. Magazines aren't overdrive. Oh, comic books. Comics, yes, yes, and graphic novels, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, it's, it's great for graphic novels. I I am a graphic reader myself, and I've gotten quite a few from there. Um, they have. That's when I listen to a lot of my investing material. Perfect. Yeah, it's it's really nice for um, if you're a nonfiction reader, it's a great place to go to because it has a a much wider range of nonfiction than we're able to provide with overdrive. So. 
That's and and if you're a big audio person, they have lots of audio and stuff. And I am. I am so listening. Like I'll be sitting at my desk and have an earbud in. <laughs> yes. I'm always perfect. listening to something. It's nice yeah, it's it's the way to read if you have other stuff you have to do at the same time. So Yeah. Well, and the um one of the last um fiction books that I read, it's actually a series. It's the Haunted Library Mysteries by oh, Alison yeah. Brugg. Uh-huh. It's really fun. She's a programming librarian and she's she happens to be able to see a past librarian who's a ghost who oh. lives in their library, and she solves mysteries. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so niche. And that's the beauty of cozy mysteries, too, is so many of them do have that very specific, like, I am a pastry chef who has a who has a really intuitive cat, and yeah. we solve mysteries <laughs> together. And like, right? Right? food is always a component of it. Animals are frequently a component of it. This yeah. one, this series does have an app. So <laughs> they know their audience. I think that's what it is. Yeah. But all right. We have two guests again this week. I always struggle to keep my conversations with one of these people to a reasonable length because they know an absurd amount about this area. But they have a particular program that, that is relevant to this particular time frame because we are coming up dun 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 on tax season, <laughs> which all of us are excited about, no doubt. Well, of course um, we are. Tax forms haven't arrived yet, but they're coming. Yes, please. We beg you, please don't ask us if the tax <laughs> forms have arrived yet. It's not even January 30th. They um, will be in the lobby if we have them. Yes, we promise. We will tell you. We do not keep them. We, <laughs> we are don't not, hide them. We don't keep them a secret. Um, having said that, however, this is a program for anyone who um, who is under a particular income bracket and who would like to have somebody help them get through their taxes for them. The program is called VITA, and the people we're speaking to today are the executive director for that organization, who is Terry Legg, and then the person who runs the VITA program locally, who is Bethany Broom-Dabrowski. I'm sitting down this morning with with two individuals who spend a lot of time and energy uh, just doing good things for the community and... um, (laughs) And I'm I'm very grateful that they they took some time off from that to talk to me. So um, as per usual, I am going to give them a chance to introduce themselves. So uh, could you say uh, who you are, uh, where we can find you on an average day, and what are you up to these days? Sure, I'll go ahead and start. Thanks for imagine that. <laughs> I, I was like, I've, Terry is just going to sit and be quiet the whole time. <laughs> um, I'm Terry Legg. I'm the president and CEO for United Way of Montcalm Ionia Counties. On any given day, I could be any place in both counties. Um, our office is in Belding, but I'm usually out and about in the community, um, depending on what ha- is happening at that given day. So usually I'm driving these slippery roads. My name is Bethany Broom Dombrowski, and I'm the VITA associate for United Way. And I oversee Ionia, Gratiot, and Montcalm counties. And on a typical working day, or just a typical... You know, just, just, you know, what life looks like for you. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess life looks uh, like for me when I work, um, usually I'm doing taxes. And then when I'm not working, usually I'm hanging out with my family. I'm hoping that that's only part of the year. I hope, I'm hoping you're not sitting around on like Christmas morning doing taxes. No, <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, but yeah, most of the year I do taxes up until okay. about mid-September. Well, that seems like a logical transition to explain what VITA is for the, for anyone who is unfamiliar with it. Yeah, so VITA is an acronym, uh, V-I-T-A. It stands for Volunteer Income Tax Assistance. 
And it's a program that is federally funded or grant funded, I should say, IRS grant funded uh, partially. And it's to prepare taxes for people that have a low to moderate income for free. Okay. So is it something that happens nationwide? Absolutely. Yep. It was started in, I believe, 1969. Um, and it's a program that happens all throughout the country. So clearly, VITA is is not necessarily perfectly aligned with United Way, but there's some sort of partnership there. So could you explain how they how they fit together, how those pieces work? I'll take that. It's actually a perfect marriage. So the Volunteer Income Tax Assistance Program really focuses around our ALICE population, which is another acronym that United Way has. ALICE is an acronym for Asset Limited Income Constrained and Employed. It is um, those individuals that are making under 66000 a year that are um, struggling to make everyday um, choices that have to do with financial stability. So um, a family that is, or a household that's under 66000 tends not to have a large savings account uh-huh. that allows them to be prepared if there is an emergency, a medical emergency, maybe a, a tire blows on their car. Uh-huh. Um, like, how do you cover those different um, situations if you don't have a, a financial nest egg? Right. And uh, most people don't have more than $3,000 in their bank account if they're lucky enough to have 3000 Right. So under 66000 in income, um, our... Volunteer Income Tax Assistance Program is really important because we're trying to figure ways to help people keep money in their pocket. If you were to go to a rapid tax filing place, they charge a a significant amount to do a simple tax return. Bethany can go into the details of how the VITA program works, but for United Way, our focus is really to serve Alice and to help to be able to keep as much money in Alice's pockets as we possibly can and to help teach that financial stability and help to Um, elevate the community that we are in. Can you talk a little bit about how you came to work in that program, how you stepped into it? I've always worked in the nonprofit sector. I was online teaching and I was teaching students in China. Um, Unfortunately, during the pandemic, relationships between the U.S. and China made it difficult to continue. And so um, the education ministry put a lot of sanctions on uh, English teachers. So then I took a temp job at United Way working with the CIRA program. That was a, uh, temporary rental assistance program. And then, um, this job became available. Okay. So you were not as a child thinking to yourself, I want to work with the IRS. Gosh, I- no, the exact opposite. <laughs> I always hated math. So. It's funny. My mom just said to me the other day, she said, I can't believe you do taxes. I just never thought with you growing up, you would do taxes. If if you are um, not a big math person, what do you think you bring to it that that fits nicely with your personality? I mean, with the VITA program, there's two two big aspects of it. One is, um, you know, working with the community, doing tax prep. And the other aspect of it is that um, they're all volunteers, the preparers. And so what I think I bring to the table is my ability to work with the volunteers to be able to uh, communicate with them, especially something as complicated as tax prep. Um, and also just I'm, I'm an extremely friendly person and nice and very understanding. And so I really enjoy the aspect of working with volunteers. I can certainly see how this whole process um 
you know, training volunteers, even recruiting volunteers, mm-hmm. and then working with people through the the um, tax prep process. It's stressful. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it, I imagine that this is a this is a kind of not easy time of year for you. So how are you? How are you holding up? Um, well, I mean, it's my third year, so I think I've got the hang of things. But, um, you know, there's always that work-life balance that I think is so important. So even though I'm very busy during tax season, um, I do make it a priority to um, self do self-care, focus uh-huh. on me. It's important. So what's the secret? Uh, what's my self-care? Yes. I got super into a Harry Potter uh, Hogwarts legacy video game over oh, yes. Christmas yeah. break. <laughs> That's and, a popular one right now. Yes. And I, I loved it. So um, every day after work, I, I allow myself two hours of playing this video game. That's Do you just like set the timer and everything? I do. I'm okay. not, I don't allow myself to pay to play past seven o'clock. So usually okay. I do five to seven. It's very responsible of you. Yes, because then I'll just keep going and I'll stay up too late. It'll be a thing. But yeah, can- I think that perfectly describes why you're perfect in this position, because it requires a lot of organization mm-hmm. because there's a cycle, right, to taxes. Right, absolutely. But yeah. Bethany is so calm and she can articulate um, information to the clients because you know, for us, taxes are scary for most people. Yeah, absolutely. And the individuals that she's working with, often they're confused about, uh-huh. you know, why they might have this filing or why they need to do this. And Bethany is really calm and patient with them and can articulate it very um, elementary so that everybody can understand it. But you playing the video game for two hours an evening is part of that, like, she's very organized and she you know, has a schedule she has to stick to. So I think that it's, it's kind of cute that um, you organize your, your free time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're not going home to do like Halo or Call of Duty or something. It's, it's, it's comforting <laughs> no. to know that you're not just filled with this ball of rage right, that has right. to explode. Yeah. No, no. Like I need to kill total strangers with, with, with that. I don't, I don't just know what the chosen spells. weapon is. For. Yeah. Yes. Much more, and magic. much more soothing. Yes, absolutely. Um, so can you talk a little bit about, um, how the, the volunteer aspect comes into it? Cause, um, we, we have staffs, this is our second year that we are going to do, um, part of the, the volunteer process that you all do, not the full preparation, but we just do the, um, the document, uh, upload and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And, um, we're happy to at least be able to participate in that. Yeah. But there are different aspects of what you, you request from your volunteers and I imagine there's a little bit of overcoming that initial like I don't know if I'm a I'm prepared to do something like I don't know if I could do something like this I'm not a, a tax attorney or what have you so could you talk a little bit about um, what that looks like yeah so um, typically when I I try and recruit volunteers um, I start talking about taxes and they either um, you know kind of get sleepy or just kind of like zone out <laughs> or they um they get scared and start to sweat because um I think people that aren't familiar with the program they think that they need to be um a CPA or have a degree in accounting uh-huh. and that's you know that's not true it's um 2023 and a lot of the software does the thinking for us thankfully uh-huh. and also um we're doing really simple returns um so we're not going to you know do like a fortune 500 company's tax return we're not even allowed to do a small business that has inventory there's a lot of caveats to the program um so we're doing 
you know, Social Security, we're doing supplemental Social Security, um, people with, you know, a W-2, that type of thing. Um, And so also we have different roles for volunteers. You know, somebody who's not quite comfortable with tax prep yet, they can be a greeter or they can be an intake specialist like we have here at the Flat River Community Library. And so um, I feel like once people kind of if they're not super comfortable, they can start off with a greeter or as an intake specialist and then hopefully work their way up to tax prep. Okay. And are you currently still looking for volunteers or are you have you already gotten your, your core group yet? I don't want to say that we're not looking for volunteers because I don't want someone to ever feel like, you know, they've missed their window to participate in the program. We're not... You know, it's not our heaviest recruiting time right now because we're gearing up to start um, tax prep season, but I'll still gladly take volunteers. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if it's something that you want to s- try your hand at, I mean, we, as I said last year, we um, we did the intake side of things and uh, our our staff that did it initially when they were going through training, they were a little like, do I know, ha- do I have to know all of this? And then by the end of the season, they're like, yeah, we could totally do this again next year. That was, it was very like, you all dropped us off a scanner and we just made it happen. So we may not have contributed in the same way. Like it's, um, but that's fa- so helpful. I, and we are not the only library that does it too. The White Pine District. White, yes, White Pine District Library, which is in Stanton, does that as well. Um, so yeah, it's, and it's, can you talk a little bit about, um, how people qualify for it too? Yeah. So um, every year the IRS ups the income limit. So last year it was 60000 This year it's 64000 Um, So we look at income limits. And then, of course, like I said earlier, we're, we're only doing simple tax returns. But when somebody calls 211 to make an appointment, they kind of go through a, a questionnaire with the person to make sure that they qualify before they come in for an appointment. That was my next question. So you got in front of me there. That gives us such a, a quick chance to talk about 211, which I always love talking about. Anything that's like a catch-all like that just yes. like makes my librarian heart happy. Well, <laughs> I bet you are the front line for questions, right? As yeah. people are coming in. And we've directed people to you all with that too. Right. Being able to give people three digits to call is is very helpful. Yes. <laughs> yeah, 211 is a real... Um, great partnership that we have with our Volunteer Income Tax Assistance Program. Um, 211, for those that don't know, is a essentially a one-stop shop referral um, service that's that's available. Um, United Way pays for it. Um, that is available 24 hours a day, every day of the year. Um, it's available in 100 different 80, or 180 different languages. Um, so it's available for anyone. You can call and get a referral to anything that's non-life-threatening, um, and there's other services like the VITA programming where you can call and actually schedule your taxes uh-huh. right through um, 211. But um, 211 is the place where if you're looking for rental assistance or maybe you need help with utilities, um, those are the top two calls that 211 receives. Or perhaps somebody is um, facing a new challenge like they need a, a wheelchair ramp and how do you get that uh-huh. or how do you... If you need assistance with that, you can call 211 for a confidential referral. Most people that are calling 211 are first-time callers. Uh-huh. They are individuals um, just like the three of us who just suddenly need situational uh-huh. help. People will say, well, call DHHS or call this agency or call uh-huh. this agency. And 211 stops all of that calling in between and just here's where you need to go. Um, so it's really nice. And for the um, volunteer income tax assistance, um, two one one does all of this our tax scheduling for us in Montgomery oh, County. Yeah. So, 
Um, if you want an appointment, you would call 211 and request a, an appointment. Bethany, can you talk a little bit about the different places that they can get their um, taxes done? Sure. Are uh, you taking over my hosting duties sorry, here? Like- sorry. <laughs> I asked the question. No, but Bethany, can you answer her question? Yeah. So in Montcalm County, um, we've got a couple scan and go sites. We've got one at West Michigan Works in Greenville, one here um, at the Flat River Community Library, one at the White Pine District Library in Stanton, and then also at the um, Howard City Library. But the Howard City Library isn't just scan and go. They do scan and go and in-person tax prep. And they have the longest library name ever. They do. That's why I see Howenstein Reynolds. Yes. Yeah. Memorial Library, something like that. It's yeah, it's a mouthful. It's Reynolds Township. Reynolds Township. Yes, yeah. thank you. Yeah, I missed a word <laughs> somehow. Yeah, yeah. That's why I always just go with Howard City. Library. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know where you're going. At least that does make it simpler. Okay. Um, and then, well, I mean, I guess I'll just talk about Ionia County too, because yeah, Belden and Greenville, kind of the same thing. But um, then we have one in-person site in Belding at Encounter Church, a scan-and-go site at the Ionia West Michigan Works, a scan-and-go site at the Ionia Commission on Aging. And then our newest site will be in the city of Ionia at Restore Church, and that will be an in-person site. So we'll be having, we'll run tax clinics, um, I believe Monday, or no, Sunday is the only day we will not have a tax clinic. And at the Encounter Church, that is our biggest site. We have the most volunteers there. And that's the only site that runs on a Saturday. So for people who work Monday through Friday, um, they're not able to even go after work. We do have that Saturday site open. And I think it's important to note that you don't have to stay in your county. If you live in Montcalm County, but you need that Saturday tax site and that happens to be in building, you can be scheduled for that. Right, right. You can go anywhere in the two counties. That's one of my favorite things about working with nonprofits in general is if anyone who has had any experience working with government programs, one of the trickiest things about them is that they tend to have a lot of very specific, precise rules associated with them. Right. Which I'm sure for the legislators who who put these programs together, it made a lot of sense. Right. But when 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 you're boots on the ground, when you're actually having to implement some of this stuff, not being able to have any flexibility is really hard, and it makes it so much harder for the people you're serving, too. Well, especially in a rural community, we yeah, want to remove absolutely. those barriers. And so uh, Bethany does a really good job with her team to make sure that there is times available that fit all of our community members. Uh-huh. The vast majority of us don't have the flexibility to just drop everything on a you know, a Tuesday morning or something like right. that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I'm a librarian and my kids never go to library programs. <laughs> as much as I would love to have the, for years, and it was me putting on the program. So that was my ongoing tragic joke was that I always did the story time, but my my kids never got to go to story time. So. <laughs> it's funny how that happens. Yeah. So do you want to talk a little bit about some of the, um, some of the studies that you all have put together? Yeah. I think it's what you said is absolutely right. We're really trying to take people's lenses off and allow people to look through a different set of lens to see what's going on in the community. It's really easy for us to drive down the same street to work every day uh-huh. and to drive back home and we just see what's on that street. Absolutely. So one of the things that um, we have done as a state um, network is um, brought the Alice report. And that one is really important. Again, Alice's asset limited income constrained and employed. It breaks it down to the county and the township. And that report allows us opportunities to see 
why having not enough money to pay your bills really impacts more than just paying your bills. Um, It impacts your mental health. It impacts your health outcomes. Uh, It impacts everything that has to do with our life. And for us to thrive, we really um, want to see our communities um, be able to meet the unmet needs of our community members so that we can thrive. So the Alice Report is one study that's available on our website. Anybody can take a look at it. It, that is available on our website at www.liveunitedm-i.org. Um, you can or just, just Google United Just Way Google United Way, Mount Calm My Onion, it pops right up. We also um, are getting ready to do a second iteration of our youth survey. Oh, great. Okay. Yes. So, I mean, um, great, but you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> great so, in the way the information is great, but yeah. One of the things that we did two years ago is uh, we wanted to really hear the voice of youth and figure out what is happening with youth. A lot of adults like to speak for youth and say, this is happening, but we're not getting the voices of youth. Right. So we did a survey that was um, 10 questions long. It was completely optional if anyone wanted to participate, and it was open from age 12 to 24. We had over 1,800 respondents um, participate, which I think is a great win, and that is a huge response rate. And what they told us is kind of what we knew at United Way is that a nearly a third of those kids were or probably still are couch surfing, which is um, really important for us to understand. That's a really sad number, but it's important for us to have that documented so that we can bring resources in to help families because there are a lot of families struggling. Um, we also know that a lot of our families are struggling with housing, not only because of income levels, but because of the complete lack of housing that we have in our communities. Yes. So that youth survey um, was really critical for a number of different um, areas. One thing that the um, health departments were telling us is that Montcalm County was, um, at the time, one of the highest counties in the state for teen pregnancy rates. Uh-huh. Well, we wanted to understand a little more about that. Like, are kids having to take care of other kids? Are they, like, who, who are they taking care of in a family? And um, some of the results were quite surprising how many children are really having to take care of other children. Right. And I'm talking under 12 to 18. Uh, we found that a third of MCC students that responded are couch surfing. And so how do we, if we want people to be able to finish their college journey, how do we help to provide the supports that they need to be able to get there? Um, we thought before we did the survey that Um, Many of them were um, parents and that childcare was the issue. Right. And really that was not seen on the um, survey. It was that they just simply didn't have a place to live or they didn't have transportation. Right. uh, Which is why they weren't finishing. So uh, the youth survey is really something that uh, we have used not only at a local level, but at a statewide level Uh um, has been looked at. In fact, we um, start some youth collaboration for the state on trying to figure out housing for youth because, unfortunately, in our communities, we don't have youth housing for um, somebody that is 16 to 24 that might be homeless, um, literally um, category one homeless. So uh, even up to 24? My understanding was that it was at that 18 level. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, up to 24 is considered youth. Okay. Isn't that interesting? That I know I thought the same thing as you before okay. I started this uh, journey. But yeah, there's a lot of services that are not available. And part of it, so we're trying to, as a community, bring services in that can help those that are young. During the pandemic, when we brought in food trucks, we brought in 
um, 62 food trucks within the first six weeks of the pandemic, Uh we found that a lot of the navigation of how to get to the food trucks, even when they pulled in, it was kids that were doing the talking. Uh Perhaps their parents weren't English speaking, or perhaps um, their parents were busy at work and the kids were the ones that were navigating how to get those food resources. So we're just trying to make sure that we're getting resources like two-on-one available to kids. So in every school in Montcalm and Ionia County, um, there's two-on-one information all over their schools um, so that people can get the resources, but so kids know how to get the resources too. Right. Since they're navigating. We we're really curious about drug usage in schools. Right. Um, and that was probably for me the most eye-opening um, yes. thing for that I've discovered. I'm not so naive to know that there's not drugs available. I just didn't realize the level of hardcore drugs that middle school kids have access to and are using regularly. Um, that was really eye-opening. And I think that has been used by many of our different agencies around the county to really focus on how do we get supports to kids. One of the things that the kids told us in that survey is that they didn't feel ready to go on to adulthood Uh because they didn't feel like they were prepared to do basic things like schedule a doctor's appointment. Um, And we had the survey freeform text so they could write in their answers. Uh Um, From that survey, we had our youth collaborative group through Montcalm and Ionia County work on a graduate survival guide which is a oh, really so cool. nice document. Yeah, it's a book that every graduating senior last year in all of our 13 school districts was able to receive with their diploma. And it has things in it like how to schedule a doctor's appointment, how to try to get an apartment, like what is a security deposit? How much money should you have saved up for security deposits? Uh-huh. What are background checks and how does that work? Um, it goes on to talk about things like how to open a checking account or why you might need a checking account and why it's different than a savings account. Um, talks about how to get your taxes done and why you need to do your taxes. Uh-huh. These are things that our schools are teaching kids. But if you're not using that on a daily basis, it right. goes right out the window. So um, those are some of the other things that we're doing that I think it's bringing some great changes to the community. Yeah. I, one of my favorite things about about running into you is that like literally every time I learn something else new, that y'all do, which which speaks a lot to how much you all are doing um, in the in our immediate area to affect the actual local community, which is fantastic. So- That's one of my um, the reason why I stay. Right? Why do you stay in your job and why do you do what you do? For me, it's that United Way is so uniquely positioned that every single United Way across the country, across the state, focuses on their local community. Uh Not every single United Way in Michigan is working on youth, and not everyone is working on housing like we are. Those are needs that we have in our local Montcalm and Ionia County. Absolutely, The money that we raise is from local individuals. The money stays here in Montcalm and Ionia County, and it allows us to be able to do this programming specifically for Montcalm and Ionia County residents. If you're one of us millennials who actually still use Facebook, I would definitely follow their Facebook too, because if you want to literally see what a day can look like there and what, I mean, even just the the seasons of caring po- uh, oh, yeah. photos that you all did and all of the, the food bags that you all put together and, or from last year when you were doing that enormous drive and there were just like all of the cold weather gear and, and so much goes into it. You know, this, just this week, maybe it was just yesterday. I can't even remember on our social media, Bethany was on there from um, she went and testified at 
you know, the House and legislative to Don't talk you. about <laughs> earned income tax credit. Like, that's really cool yeah. that mm. in our local community that we have a voice that way. So, And um, you say this like you haven't done it too, Terry. <laughs> well, I know, but... Um, Was know, that overwhelming? Have you done that before? Uh, no, I haven't done it before. Yeah, because you're <laughs> talking to... It's just a whole nother world there, I think. Um, you know, you're talking, you know, you're talking to highly educated people that are in the spotlight and um, they're politicians. And so um, not something I felt the most comfortable doing, um, especially because it was a very personal story, but mm-hmm. um, I enjoyed it. That is the second time that we've had uh, local community members testify um, when the um U.S. Farm Bill Act, it renews every four years, so it renews this year. But with the last iteration, Montcalm and Ionia County had um, six of the 12 people that testified for the state of Michigan and gave their testimony about why the Farm Bill is so important. We had an ALS um, individual who was talking, a local person that many people know, Uh who was talking about how um, she's college educated and, you know, something awful happened in her her marriage and she found herself divorced and overnight had no money available to her and had to go on food assistance mm-hmm. um, just to be able to, f- to help feed her kids. You know, that's something that it happens. It's not something we want to happen. It just happens. Um, but she was able to testify why receiving um, SNAP benefits really helped her family to be able to um, thrive again. It was uh-huh. a temporary situation. Um, but in addition to that, we had apple growers and we had um, the hops um, industry right here in Greenville uh-huh. were there to testify about local agriculture. I think that's one thing that we take for granted, no matter what your political beliefs are. We have a great resource in Mount Common Iuna County with our legislative individuals to be able to be a voice. I didn't know before I came to United Way that we could really impact um, legislation the way that we do mm-hmm. by Bethany being able to testify she was you know she made it so that a lot of other families can have some food in their house that's why she's perfect in her position because she cares I do think there is a lot of value to seeing individual stories with this stuff and humanizing these things oh for sure the concept of living in poverty is is it's pretty universal it has a lot of stereotypes associated with it certainly but terribly but there's help. Right. But I think there's there's that um there's that level above poverty in terms of income level that that often gets overlooked because you in in a lot of cases these people are not eligible for for assistance, any kind of assistance. I know. They still struggle. They are working their tails off every single day doing everything that they know how to to provide for their family, but they just simply are in a hard spot. Sometimes you just, no matter how right you do things, you just don't have enough. And um, that's our Alice families. That's who we're trying to help. You are doing a program to try to bring some of this information to the community, specifically what it looks like to be in that situation, too. Do you want to talk about that? that Yeah. So on the 31st, this is open to anybody. We have our um, poverty simulation coming. I really encourage if you want to learn more about why people are struggling. Because I, again, if we take our glasses off and we look through the lens of somebody else and walk in somebody else's footprints, we can really figure out what's happening in our community. 
Um, we will start with some ACEs training. We, we love the word acronyms at United Way. <laughs> um, but ACEs is Adverse Childhood Experiences. Um, we're going to learn what those are and and why adverse childhood experiences. An example could be um, having a parent pass away or maybe somebody in their family is incarcerated. You know, something happening that's oh. traumatic to children. But those um, incidences, you know, help to determine our makeup as a DNA in our bodies, which helps to determine how we live as an adult. Right. It just is it just works. Learning that is really something that's important. Uh -huh. But then we'll learn about Alice and what kind of struggles Alice households have and what they're facing in our local community. And then we're going to go into a poverty simulation, which is a hands-on immersive opportunity to walk the day of um, a family or a person. Everyone will be assigned different community members uh -huh. and they will walk in their footprints through the day. You'll be tasked with X amount of dollars to get through a budget. Um, it's a four-week budget that you're getting through, and you will have to live their life as you do this immersion. And then we debrief, and that's really an opportunity just to really learn about our community. Later in the fall, we'll be bringing a homeless um, simulation um, where we will look at those that are homeless in our community and what what do they face. So that is a really cool um, event that's coming up. I really, I, I say it's cool because the amount of learning you get in one day is just immense. Um, anybody can participate. You can register on our website. Space is limited and lunch is provided that day. We're up to 100 participants and we are, as of this morning, I think we had 40 already registered. So I would encourage you to register for that. I haven't done the full process that is involved, but I have done some of the Alice simulation stuff and it it is physically stressful just doing the simulation. We have a digital version on our website that yes. we made, and that is based off of local um, costs in Montcalm and Union County, like the cost of rent. And one of the um, characters is set up more like a video game that you go through um, the simulation online. One person that you could be is a grandparent. Uh -huh. And one of the decisions that the grandparent has to make in that simulation is, do I buy my kid, my grandchildren, a birthday present this month, or do I buy my prescriptions? And those are really hard decisions that anybody would have to right. make. But it's not something that I would necessarily think of. I don't have grandchildren, and I'm not in that position to make that kind of a decision. But by me going through the simulator and doing it, I can have some more compassion for those yeah. that have to make that decision. And I think that's the, the best learning tools that yes, we can I have. Agree. And if everybody could come out a little more compassionate about our neighbors, imagine what kind of a community we could live in. That's kind of the central tenet of what we're trying to do with the podcast, too. It is so easy when you don't know the people around you personally, when you don't see the specifics of what their day-to-day -day looks like, to to think of them as faceless shadows. And, and then that, that makes it much easier for us to to dehumanize our, our interactions with other people. It's the pandemic. We've just lost a little bit of human value in people. Yeah. Because we did distance ourselves so much that I think we um, forget that every person has a feeling. Right. Um, especially when we do take to social media. So... Um, there's a lot of great that can come from social media, right. but there is that dehumanizing part on there. You may not agree with somebody politically. You may not have the same experiences as them. Um, you may feel very strongly different about a lot of things, but 
there are always going to be aspects that you can that you can grasp that there is a point of of commonality for sure when we did our holiday hope bag um, program so that's our seasons of caring program that we just did in december we had um 789 bags of food that went to home or went to kids who are food insecure. And then we had 300 bags that went to homebound seniors who are also um, homebound as well. That is barely a tip of the iceberg of those that are food insecure. One in four of our kids in Ionia County and one in three in Montcalm County are food insecure. That doesn't mean they don't have food. It just means that they don't have enough. And during the holidays, um, that is a time when a lot of families, not only are costs really high right now, but a lot of families rely on our schools um, to help with that, that food burden. Um, food is a lot. And with our universal breakfast Especially and lunch. Now. Yeah. yeah. It's gotten so much worse. And not having that universal breakfast and lunch that schools provide. For many families, holidays are a struggle to put food right. on the table. So um, being able to deliver that food was really important. You know, one of the moms that we delivered to, most of the food went home through schools, but there was some that we actually did a face-to-face like uh-huh. deliveries. And one of them, you know, she started crying and was like, I didn't know how I was going to buy groceries this week um, because, you know, cost of fuel has gone up. Their water bill went up. Right. You know, just just human things. And, and that's not somebody who, you know, if you judge them based on the car they drove or the clothes they wore, you'd say they'd be just fine. But the reality is they're not just fine. Right. And we don't know everyone's details. Right. And maybe they're just not fine in the month of December. Maybe they're fine the rest of the year. Um, But it goes back to just not having enough savings. So, Or maybe they are like, I feel like that's a trap to fall into too, is we tend to judge people less if it's a temporary situation. But I mean, sometimes it's just a, there's an ebb and flow to it, but it's a constant struggle. Yes, for some, it is a constant struggle, for sure. Um, we saw a lot of resources during the pandemic come available that have ended um, within the last year. Mm-hmm. I, My gut tells us there's a lot of resources coming back out um, from the government, but there's a lot of people that are hurting for the first time that haven't hurt before. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a new kind of struggle for them, especially with the cost of basic goods going up. Yeah. You know, going to yeah. the grocery store, I don't know about you ladies, but for me, it's my grocery bills almost doubled. Uh-huh. Um, and that's trying to eat healthy food. So, right. you know, those are some challenges that we have, but, um, there's a lot of great individuals and resources and agencies and groups in Mount Common Union County that are really trying to make a difference. You know, that's why I love our community. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think we've spent enough time goofing around and we need to get serious. <laughs> Are you all uh, originally from this area? I am not. I'm from Belding. Oh, okay. Okay. No, Are I'm you a- still in Belding? No, in Ionia. Okay. I'm a transplant to okay. the community. It's funny you say that because I literally have written down native or transplant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a transplant, but not from far. I'm from Clinton County, so oh, okay. the St. John's area. Okay. Um, so you must really like this area then if you've stuck around as long as you have. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have family around here? Oh, uh, yeah. My parents live in Belding. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's nice to be able to stay close to people. I did spend a while, maybe a, about a decade in Colorado, and it's funny. Once you, once you get older, you start to realize how nice it is to have that sort of like cocoon of, of home, definitely. Mm-hmm. Since you are super native... Um, what <laughs> super is native. super duper native? Yeah. Um, 
Although I suppose if if we're thinking of this as like a Greenville specific um, podcast, then then there's that like, okay, well, you're from Belding. And like, <laughs> they're the rivals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And full disclosure, I also live in Belding. Um, but um, what what is your like favorite, like this brings you the warm feelies thing about this area? Like, and it can be anything you want it to be. Montcalm County or Greenville? Whatever. Whatever about this this general vicinity. I really enjoy all the apple orchards around here in the fall. Oh, yeah. We used to, when Clackles did the, well, now it's not Clackles, but. Through Robin, yeah. Yeah. Um, when they would do, you know, like the kids ride and stuff, we'd always take the kids there when they were younger. Um, Pearson's. I love going to Pearson's. Mm-hmm. And then is Pearson's where they have the pets? What is no, that's Anderson's. Anderson's. Awesome. Yeah, I'll go with that one. Yeah, we really like going to Anderson Girls. Um, they've got the little petting zoo there. Um, we love to go apple picking. I 100% agree. I was so devastated when I moved to Colorado and realized they don't just have like pumpkin patches there and stuff. <laughs> we are like, spoiled, right? And like I, when I was growing up in the fall, that's what you did. You went, you went and picked out a pumpkin. You went to the pumpkin patch. You got apples and apple cider and stuff like that. Like they and and like hay rides and very very autumnal um, kind of activities out there. Like there, the place where I live, there was one one pumpkin patch, and it cost like twenty five bucks. It was it was very bougie. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yes, it like even like the farm stands and stuff. I I was that that definitely. I'm I'm with you on the warm feels on that one. Well, I just love. Oh, I'm a visual person, so. I just love all the forests that we have. Oh yeah, you know, I don't. Thirty-five minutes over in Clayton County, it's just all flat farmland. Oh okay. And so for me, um, I just love all the trees that we have, the changes of the seasons. I love the lakes that we have. You know, walking around Baldwin Lake is like almost a pretend vacation. Mm-hmm. You know, it just feels like you're up north. I don't, I just think we live in a great community. We've got our own little beach here. We do. And a right? giant like <laughs> sledding hill and and great um, hiking pads. And- we do. All over the, both counties, there's great places to go. Whether, yeah. you know, you go out to Bertha Brock Park and hike around there or you come into Montcalm County and hike around some of the different parks. There's a lot of great things that we have right here. Mm-hmm. It blows my mind that I I would never actually do it because I'm lazy. But I could totally hike from my house to to work if I wanted to. Yeah, because there's the the trail between of them. Yeah, um, now they're paved. So yeah, well, some of it is. is when it? you go when you go south from where I'm at in the in the building area, it's it's gravel, but it's nice for biking too. It is mm-hmm. nice. Yeah, yeah, that's a great a great uh, reason why living in Montcalm and Iuni County is a great thing. Yeah, we just rock here. We We're do. just that awesome. <laughs> um, so you just came back from Alaska. I did, yes. Yeah, I'm just kind of sleep deprived. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my daughter uh, went to school in Alaska and she Oh, I didn't know that. Her degree is environmental science. Uh-huh. And she graduated and she stayed. Um, she got a really nice opportunity in Alaska to work with um some different agencies. She's employed by the University of Alaska right now. And she is studying water bugs because they're trying to look at the effects of climate. They've had to cancel some of their salmon seasons for the last several years. And they oh, found that um, the water temperature on in the inland lakes has gone up one degree, which means that water bugs aren't hatching the same way. I love Alaska. I never thought I would, but it's a, it's a beautiful place. I just wish that plane ride was a little bit shorter. 
Right. That's understandable. <laughs> yeah. Are you a are you a travel person at all, Bethany? Um, unfortunately, no. Um, we just really haven't had the opportunity to travel. Not like Terry. Terry's all over. Okay. <laughs> Do you have a dream place you'd like to go? I'd like to go to Europe. Okay. Mm-hmm. Any any place in particular? And I'm putting you on the spot I, I know, here. Like at Germany. Well, okay. Germany. Good. Good choice. <laughs> Germany is Wait, my I favorite. I change it. That could be. Okay. Well, now that I've told. Okay. Um, <laughs> Paris. Paris. Okay. I'd really love to go to Paris. I'm less enthused about that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Paris is okay. Like. It's okay. Sweden. I'd really love to go to Sweden. Okay. Okay. I Okay. I'm being all kinds of judgy here. I apologize. I don't know enough about Sweden to have an opinion one way or the other, but Germany has really good food. Oh, okay. Germany has great food. It's it's very fattening, it's but it's so, like you just like you eat and then take a nap. Yeah. They do a lot with potatoes. They do they a lot do. with sausage. A lot of it's, cheese. It's amazing. Can't go it's wrong great. there. Yeah. I mean, fr- France has lots of bread and that's good too. But also, and the beer in Germany. Yes, yes. Although, again, like my my time in Europe was young enough that I wasn't doing a whole lot of German. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. Um, I say you should go to anywhere in Europe during the Christmas markets. It's fabulous. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'd like to see those. What's an unusual skill you have? Oh Lord, I can do a really good headstand. Ooh, okay. That's impressive. All right. So I'm going to have to take a picture of you doing it and then put it on our website. (laughs) I don't know. She hasn't been to Europe, but she can do a really good headstand. Yeah. I think my real good skill has to be around travel. I am a great travel guide for people. Like Uh I can route a trip for somebody. I've been all over. Um, So... I think I can arrange trips really well. Do you think that skill is more planning in advance or like getting yourself out of sticky situations in oh. the moment? Oh, both. I've been road tripping with my kids. My oldest is 28. Um, his first road trip was when he was six months old. I only have four states to go in the in the country to have nice. hit all 50 states. We've hit you know half of the national park units across the country. We've been to Europe several times. Um, so... We have been in some, you know, sticky situations where, like, how do you get out of this? Or, you know, a lot of people panic when you go to the airport and you lose your luggage. Like, what do you do? Like, so I can help people with all that stuff because we've been through it. But um, I would say budget travel is probably my uh-huh. my forte, how to travel with kids on a budget. Yeah. I I have no experience with doing it with kids because that terrifies me. <laughs> it's not that bad. Well, I feel like I can get out of those sticky situations very easily, but doing it with a toddler sounds nightmarish. Right. That's where um, I can help people. I mean, Bethany has a travel story from uh, a couple of years ago. She took a cruise and it, the, it started out as a nightmare, right? But it ends up now she has a great story to tell about her cruise that she went on. Yeah. <laughs> you, where was the cruise to? Um, The Bahamas. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So you have traveled. Come I wouldn't on. call a cruise traveling, though. <laughs> you, you went don't from really A get to, to experience B. the local cuisine and stuff. You're on a ship, but um, the local cuisine to the ship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we uh, were going on a cruise and we were going to fly to New Jersey. Our cruise was leaving from New Jersey and the flight just kept getting delayed. And oh, so- no. We finally had to make a decision, like, do we wait for the next flight um, and it wasn't looking good or do we just drive all night? And then we decided to drive all night. However, um, I had checked my bag and so had my daughter and they couldn't find our luggage. So we had to 
go without luggage and just we stopped at on the like, whole trip on the whole cruise well we stopped at a dick sporting goods and okay. like a target and you know <laughs> bought as much as we could and okay. then my parents met us in i think ohio no yeah no indiana our parent my parents had to meet us in indiana because i had contacts um, oh okay and i didn't even have my glasses with me so i would have okay. been completely blind throughout the trip so they brought my extra contacts to me okay so that is a it was a, a thing. pretty epic thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Pretty stressful twenty four hours, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But you made it work. We did. We did. It was fun. All right. I'm failing entirely making this short, so <laughs> it is what it is. Um. Okay. So, do you want to do some trivia? Yeah. Let's do it. There is an organization called the Greenville Country Club that was established in the early twentieth century. True or false? Well, I know there was a country club, but I don't know when it was established. I'm gonna say true. True. Okay. Yep. That one was true. Greenville High School's original building is now a community museum. Oh, oh, I think that's true. False. False. Oh. Yep. We are sitting on the site of the original Greenville I knew High School that. currently. Yep. Yep. The building when they moved was was demolished and and now we're here. I don't know what the true answer is to this. I, I've already said that it's false. <laughs> the city's <laughs> first mayor was elected in the 1850s. I don't know when the first mayor was. I need to go back and actually figure that out. Um. Full disclosure, I use ChatGPT to come up with these questions, so I don't you necessarily did? know all the... I am I'm kind of lazy these days about stuff like that. Bethany is a um, ChatGPT girl, too. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. It's so easy to do it, and no one wants to listen to anybody talk about that. Um, I do. I love talking about it, but um, we'll save it for another time. The city played a significant role in the Michigan fur trade. True. 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 Hey. I learned that at the museum. Oh, yeah. Okay. Go to the museum. It's that's, great. That's another takeaway. That's a hidden yeah. gem. It really is. Yes. Both Belding and Greenville have amazing museums. They mm-hmm. do. Yeah. And the Belding Children's Museum is really, really fun, For too. For sure. We're right around the corner from it. And every time oh. uh, we miss the window to go because it's kind of narrow, yeah. my son gets really angry at me. <laughs> um, the Great Greenville Fire occurred in the late 1800s, devastating much of the city. True. I'm going to guess true. Yep. That was true. Kind of like feel- the Chicago Fire? uh, In as much as they were both fires, I'm assuming. Yeah, I don't know that much about it. Like, I feel like every, doesn't every city have like the great fire or the great snowstorm or whatever? Mm -hmm. Um, Greenville was once known for its large scale production of peppermint oil. False. That's St. John's. I don't know. It's St. John's. Yeah. So it's, I I think, I think it was cheating and pulling other Michigan facts because there's something about like the furniture industry. Nice. Um, the city was once home to the world's largest refrigerator factory under Gibson's. True. True. Yes. I love random, like, what did this particular municipality make a lot of? Yeah. I, that, I didn't realize it was the world's largest or one of the world's it, largest. Yeah, it sounds like it was the, yeah, it was the second, wow. which is random. So now we're getting into the fun stuff. Um, over 15% of Montcalm County's population lives below the poverty line. Over 15%? Yeah. That's true. Huh? In response to COVID, how many pounds of food did your organization distribute? Oh, my gosh. Pounds of food? Loads. I don't know the total number of pounds. 150,000. Dang. It's a lot. It was a lot of food. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What amazes me is that you somehow knew what the number was. I imagine you all having like this giant scale be like, we have to make sure we measure this Uh, on the way out so we know how much we have. It's because we ordered from Feeding America. Oh, okay. And so they, well, that's not it is fun. five pounds. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. 
But um, we did weigh all of the pounds of food that went out for our holiday hope bags just uh-huh. in December. Right. And that was over 16,000 pounds. Wow. Okay. And we literally manually weigh- weighed all that stuff. Good for you. <laughs> and then the, it was the room full of bags. I love the room full of bags because it's just like, if you want to see how much how much is happening, you got to see I- those pictures of the room full of bags. Yeah. People can volunteer next year if they want to help. Absolutely. About how much per hour does someone have to make working full-time to afford median rent in this area? Like um, a single person? You're going to get me because I don't know that stat um, specifically. How much do they have to make? Um, is it fifteen sixty-five? I had 15 as the approximate. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. I know it's um, just over $15 an hour. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that people don't always realize especially if you're not a renter that um and that's full-time like you have to be making 15 dollars an hour full-time that's not to that's not to buy a house that is to rent and that is if you can find a rental yes absolutely Um, so most of our families struggle finding anything that low our housing study showed that your hud says you should be paying 30 percent of your income towards housing but in montcalm and iuni county it's closer to 47 percent of their income that are paying towards housing. Well, and that was the next one that I had too. One of the things that, that was really interesting to me about the housing study that you all did was the percent of people who are cost burdened who are homeowners in this area, as opposed to people who are cost burdened as renters. Yeah. Do you want to take a guess at what those numbers might be? So the homeowners, it's pretty low, but the renters, is it's quite high. Bad. Yeah. Um, the reason that the homeowners is low is because the average house was built before 1975, mm-hmm. and that means that most of them don't have mortgages on them anymore, right. so that's why it's low. But for the rental, I don't know the number. I should probably know this, but I'm guessing it's probably like 70%. Not quite that high. high. Yeah. For the Greenville, Eureka Township area, this immediate area, it's 14% for homeowners. That's high. For, oh, for, homeowners. for homeowners, that's low. 14%, yeah. And then for renters, it's between 52 and 60. Oh, so it's, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. There's obviously a bunch of different factors to it, but it screams the burden of making that transition too. Because I, can do you know off the top of your head what the definition of cost burdened is? Like what that means to somebody? I don't. It, and that was something that was discussed at our housing conference that we had last month. Um, but I don't know the definition to be able to to say it. Um I am so disappointed in you. Terry. I know. <laughs> well, I. I mean, I can. That was a trick question. Be, I well, no, I remember. Close. Um, it's this thirty. Yeah, thirty percent or or more of your income is cost burdened, and okay. then fifty percent is is extremely burdened. So, um, and thirty percent, I think that's what they. A lot of places they require that to be like you have to prove that that yes accurate. And I mean, if you're making less than fifteen dollars an hour. And you are trying to find a rental, like, yeah, I mean, affording it is one thing, but on top of that, also having to prove that it's under a certain percentage of your income. like, Well, and then think about this, the amount of money you have to have in a security deposit, in first and last month's rent, in application fees. uh, That's one thing that we're looking at as a network is some legislation and trying to figure out how to stop some of these application fees because people can't afford security deposit first and last month's rent, and then a bunch of security deposits and application fees on top of it. Right. Because with the application fees, you are not paying for that when you're moving in. Right. You're paying for it when you, in uh, many cases, get on a wait list. For, yes. Yeah. So 
if you have no idea when something's going to become available, you're probably going to want to spread your eggs around a little bit. And our average wait list is over a year in Montcalm and County. Yeah. That's hard. It begs the question, like, what does that year look like for that person? Right. If they are frantically looking for housing. like Thankfully, there's a lot of good developments coming. That's going to help us out immensely. For, we got- for positive news. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to find one stupid question to finish on and then we can. <laughs> um, let's, what was your core era for fashion? Like, what, what was your favorite fashion era? I don't think I have fashion. I think I need a fashion era. Um, well, so maybe it's currently, what is the expression? Um, something over style. What is the expression? I don't I know. I, but, you know, basically. Fit over, no, I don't know. Comfort? I don't know. Um, I It's something clever that I can't I could right now. really rock some good 80s hair. Okay. Like. With the full tees and all that. Full, yeah. Okay. That's I a could lot do that work. really good. Well, when you got crazy hair, Bethany's got style. I mean, I used a lot of sun in in middle school, so my hair was oh, like, okay. <laughs> extremely orange um, when I thought it was blonde. That was so. that was definitely an era right there. Yeah, like, very. Mom and dad won't let you bleach your hair, right. so you you spray sun. like lemon juice. Basically, yeah, lemon juice, yeah. Yeah. are you a like a clothing person? Um, yeah, I guess I'd I think say she just so. has style. You've got your snow culottes on today. <laughs> <laughs> My shipwreck pants. Yeah. Um, more comfort these days than okay. anything. But yeah, I mean, I, I like clothes. She looks trendy. She always looks trendy <laughs> and cute. I think I'm a dress girl. Oh. I tend to wear a lot of dresses. It's sometimes hard to find clothes that fit or that are age appropriate. Mm. I wish I there could There is be. no such thing. I know. I wish I could <laughs> wear half the stuff in the stores because it's so cute in the stores, but it's not so cute on me. So I wear a lot of dresses. A lot of suits. I know that sounds boring, but <laughs> well, I mean, you have to be you have to be a grown up and a professional these I know. days. Yeah, <laughs> I like a good pair of jeans. That's what I like. Um, made well jeans. I love made well jeans. I feel like finding a pair of jeans that's actually comfortable, right? And with pockets, like right? good pockets, mm-hmm. is a. It's like that's the dream. I'm digging the new wide leg trend. Or oh yeah, yeah, not really new. It's coming back in style. Yes. But, um. So, yeah, reminds me of my Jenkos in fifth grade. But. Oh, my God. I feel like I've been having too many conversations about Jenkos lately, oh. those enormous ones. Yeah, yeah. I had them. But, you um, you did have them? Absolutely. I had okay. Jenkos and some airwalks. That was cool. But, um, yeah, so I'm, ah, I'm the digging 90s. the wide leg trend. Yeah, the 90s. It was a beautiful time. Mm-hmm. It was a beautiful, ridiculous time. <laughs> Good music. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. That's a perfect note to end on. <laughs> Well, thank you. Thank you all for sitting down with me. I appreciate it. Thank you for talking as long as we did about it. Sign up for Vita if you're eligible for it because for I mean, sure. who doesn't want somebody to do their taxes for them? Yeah, for that's a, Vita is such a great volunteer program. It really is a testament of community members helping community members. Absolutely. And it brings a lot of money and saves a lot of money um, into the community. It really does, yeah. Yeah. Huge, huge financial impact. Right. Right. There is no downside to this. People need to check this out. They do, for sure. All right. Well, thank you so much, Terry. Thank you so much, Bethany. I am back with Veronica. As we come into this icky weather and as it's getting more gross outside and harder to leave our house, especially if it gets really cold, this is going to be a really good time for us to read a little bit more. Our Miss Veronica does something 
something unique and fun every year for that around this time in our winter reading program. And this year's theme, Scrabble. And you'll see that when you walk in our door, as you see our floor display mm-hmm. on that Cassie and some of our other staff members have put down for us. Yeah, it came out really cool. It like, it's beautiful. a giant Scrabble board. I'm still trying to figure out how we can actually play with it because that's always the next step is like, how do we play with this? But mm-hmm. right. Just looking at it is beautiful. It is. It's so cool. And at the very least, if you can't leave your house right now, check it out on our Facebook because they did a really cool um, uh, time lapse video of them putting it together. And it's it's spellbinding. <laughs> it is. And to participate with our winter reading program, just come to our reference desk and they'll give you a reading log and you'll get to draw seven Scrabble tiles. And from those... Um, you write those down across the top, what your letters are, and then you try to make the best word that you can. Uh-huh. And whatever word you come up with, if you do like reading, you write the letters down the side for um, that word. And then you're going to choose, for example, from the R, a book title that starts with R or the author's name starts with R. And oh, okay. It's one book per letter. So if you've got two E's in your word, you can't use the same book or same okay. Yes. Yeah. So we, we want to challenge you a little here, bit. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Hopefully there aren't a whole lot of people getting like X's or Q's and like Q, Q it might be doable. There's plenty of queen books, but X is a little trickier. Yeah. So people, yeah. whatever word you can make will decide whether, you know, you That's even true. use that letter if you draw it, you know. Okay. We did have one patron say Z. Oh, Z. But there was a book over there that has a Z in the title that oh, starts okay. with. Yeah. So. Um, but make your word. It's not that you have to read a book for every tile that you draw. Oh, I it's see. Or okay. the word that you okay. spelled okay. from. But so you can you can decide on your own how how much you're going to challenge yourself. It could be all seven letters. That if somebody managed to get all seven letters for reading, I, I feel like we just need to we just need to hand them the keys to the building. Right. Like that's that's just like too right? much. Right. Um. Maybe they get a special prize. At the end. Yeah. There we go. Um. <laughs> But it gives you an opportunity to sort of challenge yourself however you're comfortable doing. So, And, of course, the titles can be fiction, nonfiction. You can use yep. um, adult youth or teen. It doesn't matter to us as long as you're reading and having fun exploring our collection. Absolutely. Yeah. And, it, and it doesn't even have to be uh, printed materials. You can listen to audio materials as well. Yep. Yep. If, it's, if it has something to do with words, then it counts. Um, and it is open to any age level, right? Yes, yep. it is. Yes, it is. And... Uh, once you can um, complete your challenge, you um, fill out the bottom portion of your reading log and you bring your log into the reference desk and turn it in. You'll be entered into our prize. Um, remind me what we're doing. Sitting <laughs> down Visa card. Yeah. Uh, okay. So that's awesome. All you have to do is hopefully do some of the same reading that you would already be doing because you're stuck inside and, and it's something to do with your brain. So. Yeah, this is a this is such a good reading time of year. It it's is nice and cozy. Sweater, <laughs> blanket, some, coffee or tea. <laughs> yeah, if you've got a fireplace, maybe that, and then, and then reading something just exciting enough that that cozy little cocoon you've made doesn't put you to sleep, or maybe you just want it to put you to right. sleep. Whatever. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and we've had lots of um, wonderful reading programs in the past too. Mm-hmm. We've done passports where you read. Uh, materials set in other countries. We've done uh, Olympic reading, and those had a couple different challenges within those uh, with the colored rings uh-huh. for the Olympics. We've done um, games based off Clue, Candyland. Last year, we did 
our version of Bookopoly. One of the fun, random other duties as assigned that, that Veronica has acquired over the years is putting this program together every year. And she spends months planning it. And it's it's like we we wait with bated breath to find out what she's picked this year. With our summer reading programs, we we follow the themes a, the majority of the libraries in the United States use. They usually, and it, it gives us a nice um, focal point. So last year it was all together now. And so we did that. And then, of course, we had our Reading Rainbow component to it because last year uh, Reading Rainbow turned 40, um, which makes me feel old. The nice thing about this is that it's very local to us and it's just our little community that's doing this. And it's special. So I not have a chance to win $50. For, for the adults, for the for teen and youth, it'll be 20 Okay. For, yeah. for those age groups. So changing gears, obviously you have been a resident of this area for a long time. How long have you lived in Greenville? Well, here, was it before I started? Maybe right around the same time. Okay. I started working at the library and moved into town. So... Coming maybe, from maybe in our Stanton. Stanton. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I grew up in Stanton. So you've been a a Mont Call Me. A Mont Call Me for as long as as can be imaginable. Okay. So you obviously have some very strong roots in this com- in this uh this county, yeah. this community. Obviously a testament to what you appreciate about this area. So Yes, absolutely. Well, you know, first and foremost is family and friends. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I also when I was younger, I liked to volunteer in the community when I had more time. Um I would volunteer. We did one year where we didn't have landscaping funding for the library. Mm -hmm. So the friends had bought wood chips for our um, garden beds and whatnot. So uh, I was one of the volunteers that came in and helped uh, spread those wood chips here. And just in case you're curious, we actually, we have, we, we work with a landscaper for part of our stuff, but actually a lot of our garden work is actually done by the, the, uh, Greenville Gardening Club, as well as uh, somebody in the Master Gardener program. So um, so it's really nice that we can, that we're able to showcase some of their cool, cool work in the backyard as well as too. Yes. So, and it's yeah. so beautiful when it comes too. It is. It is really gorgeous. They do such a great job. And the Peter Rabbit Garden. Yes, yes. Everything in there is edible. <laughs> that doesn't we're not that encouraging you to eat it. Please don't come eat our garden. Yes, but it is. Yes, we do. Uh, she does like herbs. And it has a little Peter Rabbit up there too. It does. So, yeah. Yeah. Back when the JCs were still an entity with the city, mm-hmm. we did wood chips for Danish Kingdom. And so I went and helped with that, volunteered there helping that. That was very big. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lots of volunteers for that one because there was just so much to do there. And then I've uh, volunteered with the Danish Festival for several years, mm-hmm. running little games, events, and things like that. Yeah, and it's really nice when you're working those too because the kids will come up and be like, "My friend," <laughs> you know. So that's always fun, you know, getting recognized like that. Especially at the age where they they tend to think of you only in one context. So if they see you someplace else, they're like, "You don't live there, that's right? How long have you lived where you're at?" Going up twenty years now. Wow. Okay. I had an apartment for a little while, and then um, a home nearby came up and I'm just like this is close to work and Mm -hmm. it's in the neighborhood that I'm in and I at the time I love my neighborhood I don't know if I love it so much now but um yeah that's a tricky thing about living in one place for a long time a long time the neighborhood changes you know and so my house is 
built um, 1860-ish. I know that it is on that pencil drawing we have here in the library Uh of our community. Um, I was able to locate it on there. I'm like, there's my house. And there's a house across the street from me that is no longer there. So I'm just like, Which isn't surprising. I didn't even know there used to be a house there because now it's an apartment complex. But um, So that was, it was really cool to come in and be able to find my house. Um, Yeah, that is really cool. Yeah, yeah. And that being said, my house is built 1860. Right, yeah. First thing I I did when I moved in, I replaced all the windows because they had the single pane wavy glass in it. And it was Mm -hmm. so cold that first winter. I'm like, nope, not doing that again. And and so I I had to redo all my windows. Yeah. um, The cool thing when I moved into my house is there was a title record going back to the, like I have, okay. Yeah. I have that original documentation. It's like very fragile, but like I can open it up and I can read through like who got a mortgage, how Uh much they paid for it, like right from the very beginning of the development of my. Wow. How many people have owned your house? A lot. Okay. (laughs) A lot. Um, More than a dozen. Okay. Um, I bought it from a couple um, who were flippers. Uh They they flipped the property, Um, but. The gentleman who lived there before, he was there 50 years. Uh-huh. You know? So he was there for qu- quite a long time. Uh-huh. I'm just like, all right. They flipped it and they did, they did a pretty good job, but it's, you know, I've been there 21 years. So now it's time to make some right. more home improvements, you know, aside from the remodeling I did uh-huh. about 10 years ago. Right. I'm just like, okay, new paint, new carpeting, new floors, new this, new that. Right. It's just an ongoing project with, with a home. Not just keep with the times, but just to keep it in good condition while you're living. Oh, it. yeah, absolutely. Well, and then the funny thing about that, too, is especially when you're talking about the the really old houses like that, kind of like how um, and I'm going to make a big, a big um, mental leap here, but like how libraries have evolved significantly in the last hundred years. Like, you know, what what a library consisted of in the 1930s is and not going to be. And how you used it. Then. Exactly. Um, um, I think that's really true of how. Um, how the older houses have had to develop too, because a lot of them you can tell how um, not just how things have been replaced over the years, but how oftentimes the house has grown because you know the amount of space people lived in and were comfortable somehow comfortable <laughs> 150 years ago. Um, our house is not big; it's it's fairly small, and even with that, like the prior owners added another room to it so like, how did anybody live in this little dinky space but i i have a it's considered a story and a half which means it, one section of my house has a two-story and then the other section is just a single story yeah mine is one and a quarter which i didn't know existed but yeah <laughs> yep is that like that bi-level kind of <laughs> not even it's just like this li- like the the house or the excuse me the rooms on the top floor are like built into the roof so we technically have a very narrow attic, but but um, the, both of the bedrooms and the bathroom have slanted ceilings. So. Mine has upstairs. Yeah. It's not a steep slant like right. some of them I've seen. But my staircase, however, right. very steep and the steps yep. are pretty shallow. So um, judging by that, I would say we had smaller feet 100 years ago, right. so 150 years ago. Or they so. just had to cram the staircase into a smaller space. Yeah. There, there's other ways they could have fi- configured the layout okay. of my house and 
It just seems like a lot of those older houses do have really steep staircases. They do, so. and with narrow steps. And I'm yeah. like, did they walk just on the, the front of their foot and not look at Right. They were less worried about their children falling down the steps then, apparently. Which I have fallen down my steps. Yep, <laughs> a couple I of did. times I dislocated my shoulder that way. Oh, yikes. Okay. Yeah, I fell down the steps a, a couple of weeks ago. I've still just the, the last remnants of... of um, the scarring from that? No, the, <laughs> the bruising, because what... I didn't really hurt my lower half all that badly, but I was trying to stop myself with my arms. And so I was dragging oh, yeah, my forearms that. against the, the, yeah. So they're, they, I got bruised up pretty bad. Well, I dislocated my shoulder. And once I got that Thanks. fixed, then I'm like, what is going on with my hip? And my physical therapist oh, says okay. that if one's worse, that gets the attention. Then when you get that fixed, then the other one can cry out, cry out for help. Oh, okay. And I'm just like, Oh, okay. So I hurt more than what I thought I did. Okay. Now I'm much more careful going up and down those steps yep. and I'm moving my bedroom down to the first floor. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. So yeah. So owning, owning an old house can actually be detrimental to your health. It can be dangerous. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know, so yeah. But in a fun way, right? Right. Yeah. And that part, part of that whole maybe I'm ready to move thing. So right. yeah. maybe I'm looking for something that's more single story. So yep. I don't have to encounter those steps all the time but right now i've got the kids you know going up and down there yeah yeah it's i mean the funny thing is i like i felt like when i looked for our first house i had that sort of little kid mentality of like i want two stories because having stairs in your house is like that's like a rich people thing like only rich people have stairs um and then yeah you reach a a certain point of maturity and then you're just like oh i don't want to go upstairs Right. Yeah. The house I grew up in was a, a single story home. So mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, why didn't I go that way? But right. growing up, it felt a little small to me. And right. I feel with a, a two story home, it feels larger, mm-hmm. um, even if the square footage is, I mean, because there's that separation of space. Yeah. Getting furniture upstairs, especially if you are in one of those pokey houses, it's not fun. I have a queen size bed that would not a standard box spring. Mm-hmm. The stairwell. I had to buy a split box spring. Oh, okay. Just to get my bed upstairs. Yeah. Not we, fun. Not fun. Do you have a place you like to eat locally? More than one, I'm assuming, but yeah. Yeah. It's a little jalapeno. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My partner grew up in southern Texas. Okay. So he loves Mexican food. Mm-hmm. And at El Jalapeno's, they serve lengua tacos, which are tongue tacos. Like beef tongue? Yes. Okay. And he loves that, you know, and I've tried it. Sure. I've, why not? I'm like, okay, I'll try it. I was skeptical, but it, it's really tasty. So, oh, okay. Surprisingly so. Yeah. What's so unique about it? Like what's, how is it texture different or tasting different? Oh, just or? the thought. For me, it's just the thought of eating, eat like um, cow cheat meat, you know, as That's well. so specific. Right. Yeah. And, but it. He says it's really tender and delicious, okay. and I'm just like, I don't know. I'm okay. skeptical. I've got those food blocks mentally. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, I get this mental picture of, um, if you ever read Angela's Ashes, I think there was the one like Christmas or something in the book where they, they got like a pig's head from the butcher. Just like, that's where oh, my a brain delicacy, goes. Right? Yeah, yeah. right? No, I don't think it was. I think it was just like they were dirt poor, and like that's what they could get. So let's all be thankful that we don't have pig heads for our, for Christmas dinners, I suppose. But on the end, El Jalapeno has really great <laughs> on, food. On a, no, really great food. On a different, different note. <laughs> Not that. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, thank you so much for sitting down with me again. I hope everyone is being safe right now. I hope everybody is. I hope everybody has power. Absolutely. Yes. It stays warm. Like, yes. It's supposed to get really cold Sunday through Tuesday. Okay. So we're talking sub-zero wind chill. Okay. So hopefully right now you are inside listening to this with the heat up and with a blanket on. Hopefully you stopped in before the weather got too bad. And if not, you can go onto our website and explore our digital resources yep. with your library card. Yep, perfect. Thank you so much and take care. Bye.